You're listening to Lead On with Greg and Mark, brought to you by the Pennsylvania Association of Intermediate Units. Join us this season as we engage in conversations on leading on through times of complexity. Now for your hosts, Greg and Mark. How's Marky Mark today? Wonderful. Yeah? And you? I'm great. You're always great. If I was any better, I'd be Dr. Mark Hoffman. All right, well, listen. No comment. You, you got me there. <laughs> I was going to say something snarky, but... I know. But I, I, things are great. Yeah. Yeah, things I are great. Tell. You got that look about you. I, there's a glow? Yeah, there's a glow. There's a glow. Radiate. You're radiating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm radiating. <laughs> That doesn't necessarily mean good things, right? No. Well, no, I think yeah. it, it could be. It could. It, it, There's it could. a good glow. Hey, yeah. have you ever been in a meeting? Many. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Lots of meetings. Some of them you've probably led. Yes. Right. And the ultimate outcome is not something that you really support or like, and you didn't speak up in the moment. Yes. Now, let's talk about that. Yeah. Give me an example. Oh. Or, you know, anonymize it to protect the innocent, but, you know, Um, maybe not even in this role. Go back to a current or a previous position, excuse me. I had to deal with the technology solution that we were looking for. All right. right. Let's just say it's technology solution. So describe the situation. You got 10 people sitting Uh, around a table. I got 10 people sitting around, and I got, you know, there's a a mix of technology, curriculum, Mm -hmm. you know, and this was a curriculum technology solution. I understand. So um, I didn't speak up enough in it. Um, and I was a participant. I was not leading the conversation. It Fair was, enough. So uh, a couple people had suggestions. I didn't agree with those suggestions. Okay. But I went along with the suggestions because of the group dynamics. I understand. Do you think that was groupthink? No, it, it wouldn't uh, be groupthink. It, it wouldn't. No, it's it's. Well, I think what happened was one person brought up this idea. Everybody thought it was you know like the best idea. Yeah. And I just went along with it. So you and didn't play the contrarian? I didn't. And then I walked out of the meeting. This is what bothered me. I walked mm-hmm. out of the meeting and I'm reflecting on it. I'm like, I should have, I should have spoken up. Yeah. Did you, was it a culture where people would have a conversation, like a meeting after the meeting to talk about the meeting and say all the things they wish they had said during the meeting? Uh, yes. Yes. That would happen. We call those that parking lot conversations. Parking lot conversations. Yes. The meeting yeah. after the meeting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like a dynamic that happens in families. It happens among friend groups. Of course it happens at oh, work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This idea that, uh, People fail to agree or they fail to disagree, right? This this idea. And this isn't groupthink in the sense that um, groupthink's where everybody actually believes in their heart that the solution that they're adopting or the the, the, the strategy that they're taking is the right strategy. Yeah. And maybe, you know, they've been um, convinced accordingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're describing here is where you know in your heart or you know in your gut level or you know intellectually or you know mm-hmm. rationally that this isn't the right solution but you go along with it anyway because you think everybody else wants to go along with it that my friend is not groupthink that is known as the abilene paradox one of my favorite things in leadership to think the about abilene paradox abilene abi right a-b-i-l-e-n-e as in abilene texas yeah. and if you if you've worked with me for any period of time uh you've read this article several times this is one of those articles i dust off and bring out every once in a while because i I see organizational dynamics in here everywhere. It was actually written originally by a management professor at uh, GW named Jerry Harvey. And the reason why it's called the Abilene Paradox is he tells the story 
of his family. He's sitting on his in-law's porch in, Ab- uh, in, in, a, in a small, dusty, hot Texas town in the middle of summer. And one of them says, you know, they're, they're sitting around drinking lemonade on the porch. There's no air conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. He says, why don't we uh, go to lunch in Abilene, you know, miles and miles away on a dirt road, no air conditioning in the car. And everybody on the porch says, well, that's a great idea. Let's go get lunch in Abilene, right? So they all get in the car and secretly nobody really wants to go to Abilene. They're just happy doing what they're doing. But yeah. because it was suggested, they think I better go along with this. So again, not group think because they don't actually want to go. They get there, they have their lunch, it's miserable, it's hot, it's a dusty road, the food's average. They get back to their porch a couple hours later, and they say, well, that was a nice trip to Abilene when they know it really wasn't. And someone says, no, it wasn't. I never (laughs) wanted to go to Abilene. And they say, well, if you didn't want to go, why don't you say something? Because I didn't want to go. I only went because I thought you wanted to go. Well, I only went because I thought you wanted to go. And then it turns out that nobody actually wanted to go to Abilene. Even the one who suggested it. Even the one who suggested it. (laughs) <laughs> right, because nobody spoke up and said, "Nah, let's not do Abilene." Right? Wow. It was a failure to agree. <laughs> and this happens all the time. Yeah, in it's life. the Abilene. Whether paradox. you're at work, whether you're at home, I think it probably happens even more when you're like this example. You're home with your family, sure, and then they're like, "Well, Dad wants to do this," you know, and yeah. so we go along with her. Mom wants to do this. Okay, we'll go along with it. Yeah, you know, and and the only antidote to the Abilene paradox is to speak up. Is to say, no, I don't really think we should go to Abilene. Okay, so let's let's translate this into meetings. So what can we do to ensure yeah. that our people are speaking their mind? Or have an opportunity, I should say. Have an opportunity to, to speak their mind. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that you can do, and uh-huh. they're not all easy, right? right. You could right. say that, you know, we're going to appoint people to be contrarians and devil's advocates. And you can say your job for this mm-hmm. meeting, Greg, is you're going to be the devil's advocate and poke holes and everything, yeah. right? Yeah. That's not, that sometimes that's inauthentic. Yeah. What really I think you have to do is you have to create a culture over time where people feel comfortable being the contrarian. I love it. I, that makes perfect sense. If there's no trust in your organization mm-hmm. or there's not a culture where um, disagreement or alternate explanations or devil's advocacy is appreciated and acknowledged, people aren't going to do it. That's right. And you wind up on the road to Abilene a lot more frequently than an organization where it's encouraged to be uh, a little contrarian. And then you have that whole 45-minute drive thinking about I don't want to go there. Yeah, whose idea was this? And a hot day. I don't want to do this. And you get there and you have a bad meal. Yeah. And you're traveling back 45 minutes with heartburn. Yeah, like you just, we were talking about where we're going to get a quick lunch, right? Yeah. And you said, Mexican or a diner. You like yeah. Mexican? You want to yeah. go get Mexican? I was like, sure, whatever. Yeah. If I secretly didn't want to go get Mexican. You would have said. Uh, no, I'm saying no, you, the you, Abilene Paradox. I was like, sure, Greg, because you, you're asking yeah, me. with the Abilene But you don't want to go get Mexican. You're just searching around for something that you think I might like. So we both wind up at this Mexican restaurant, right? Yeah. And I said, like, gosh, neither of us really want to be here. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what happened, but I'm yeah, just trying to think. it could happen. Yeah. You know, something that I've learned to do because I've, I've, I feel like I've read this article at least a hundred times. Again, it's The Abilene Paradox by Jerry Harvey. Um, and you can find it online in lots of different places. Um, I'll actually say in a meeting, hey, t- t- just to be a contrarian here, right? Like literally point out to people that I'm being the contrarian on purpose yeah. and that I'm not trying to break things. I'm just trying to... Yeah. Um, uh, raise a different point of view that maybe I agree with, right? And then ultimately, if the group wants to do it, the group wants to do it, but at least I'm not getting in the car with them. Yeah. Or if I am, then everybody knows I'm sort of not a willing participant. What do you do to control for this? Well, I, I, I really liked what you said. You establish a culture whereby people feel that they can speak their mind, yeah. that they can say what their opinion is. Uh, I, 
I think it's sometimes when you look at the actual meeting, Mark, mm-hmm. yeah. you need, you said sometimes you could say you could preface it with, I need some feedback, whatever it may be, good, yeah. bad, or ugly, give me some feedback. Or when at the very end of the meeting, you could say, here's what we discussed. Does anyone see any issues here? Or does, is there, is there anything someone wanted to say, but didn't? Yeah. I think just doing that and, and opening that door for people to do that and it being part of a like an actual part of your agenda yeah. is to say, make sure that they have some feedback. Yeah. Two other suggestions maybe. are yeah. to maybe not make the decision right away to say, all right, this is where a, we're a at right now. This is just a brainstorming session. right? Or, or, or yeah, after we brainstorm, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. And um, why don't we sit on it for 48 hours? If anybody has any feedback, either let the group mm-hmm. know or come and see me. Or have conversations privately. So if you've got a group of five people and you've all decided that you're going to go to Abilene for lunch mm-hmm. tomorrow or later, why don't you check in with each of the five? Because sometimes people yeah. will tell you things that they're thinking privately mm-hmm. rather than publicly because they're afraid of being seen as the contrarian. You know, we just had a discussion. They don't have the psychological We're, safety. So, Mark, I have to tell, I'll give you an example. Something happened just before the break. Yeah. All right. We're, we're talking about opening day in service. And it's so nice to be back face to face, right? But the question was, should we alternate? Because it's a lot of work to be face-to-face for with 1,200 employees, right? So the, all of the logistics with it is a lot to organize. Should we alternate virtual every other year? Yeah. Remote so, locations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we brainstormed and I made a just a, a pros and cons list with everybody. And we pa- I kept passing it around to them. Are we? And it was it was literally just four of us. Mm-hmm. But special ed director was key. Mm-hmm. We had the curriculum director and we had my assistant there. Yeah. So we're, we, I keep passing the paper around. Are we missing anything going through? And, and I told them, I prefaced it by saying, we do not need to make a decision today. Yeah. But we're going to need to, we're going to need to share this with the uh, in-service planning committee. So that's what happened. So that's, it just shows you that you don't always have to come up with a decision in a meeting. Yeah. Or that if you do come up with a decision that you're willing to let it sit for 24 to 48 hours that just because you decided at some random cabinet meeting on a Monday in December mm-hmm. that you're going to do this. Yeah. Maybe you revisit it again in January or you yeah. check in with those three people and say, Hey, you know, we agreed to this at the meeting. Um, have you, have you given it any, any additional thought? Yeah. People might open up. And then if people are willing to tell you things privately that they're not willing to say in front of their peers, then you have to dig down into the culture to figure out what's going on there. Where yeah, there's some kind of breakdown there then. Yeah, and that's normal, right? The ebb yeah. and flow of you know it team is. dynamics, that's totally normal. The ebb and flow of the mood that people are in. People might not be speaking because they're not paying attention. Maybe they're checking their email. Maybe they're distracted. Maybe they're carrying something from home. Not it, being objective, right? Yeah, or, yeah. or maybe they're just not engaged. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. It just means that we're humans. And yeah. so... You know, maybe the conversation didn't happen at a good time for the person that needed to to hear it. And so because they're not engaged, they don't feel comfortable chiming in. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe their boss is in the room and they're afraid of of disagreeing with their boss. Maybe it's not the person who's facilitating the meeting that's the problem. It could be that someone who else is around the table is that other person's direct report. And God forbid that, you know, they might have a weird culture with their boss where they're afraid to say something because their boss is in the room and they'd hate to contradict their boss in front of their boss's boss. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's the people in the room yeah. that may be inhibiting them from contributing. Yeah. Right? You know, I'm, I'm often reminded by my team that protocols are, all, are often helpful, right? You know, like having a protocol for how we're going to make this decision, having norms to say this is, let's remind ourselves of what we think before we, um, uh, how we're going to make this decision, then let's make the decision, then let's revisit yeah. it. Yeah. 
there's something about the safety of the protocol that gives people to say, hey, listen, per you know, per number four here, I want to just raise a point as opposed to me being for me, it's me honoring the norms. It gives a little bit of safety there. Well, what I what I like, you're talking about the safety piece. So in the article, they talk about uh, you the choice to follow one's conscience or go against it to please the group produces cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And could involve personal risk to either relationships or their career. Right. Or both. Correct. So um I I I, I do like that. And it's it's again, I Mark, I think you hit uh, you really hit the nail on the head with um going back and talking about um totally forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> You're just talking about Ta- the, talking the, about the paradox. The paradox, yeah, and coming back. So Yeah, so I have the uh, you have a summary of the article that I shared with you just sort of to, to, to get your juices flowing here, if you look at the full article, and, and again, you can find this online, The Abilene Paradox with Jerry Harvey. He says the symptoms of the paradox. He says there are six, six symptoms of the paradox, okay? Yeah. Um, number one, organization members agreed privately as individuals as to the nature of the situation and the problem facing the organization. So each person around the table, they're all, they all agree privately of what's wrong, right? Yes. Um, in this case, none of them uh, want to leave the porch, right? Nobody wants to go to Abilene. Two, organization members agree privately as individuals as to the steps that would be required to cope with the situation of the problem they face. In this case, let's just stay here. We all agree that we're happy here. How do we keep that happiness? We stay here. Three, organization members fail to accurately communicate their desires or beliefs to one another. In fact, they do just the opposite. Ironically, that's the paradox. And thereby lead one another into misperceiving the collective reality. Each member of the Abilene group, for example, communicated inaccurate data to the organization yeah, let's go. Even the person who offered it as a suggestion even, yes. didn't want to go. Didn't want to go. So even though they all agree privately that everybody wants <laughs> to stay on the porch, they all agree publicly that they want to go, you know, 30 some miles away. Four, with such invalid and inaccurate information, organization members make collective decisions that lead them to take actions contrary to what they want to do. So privately, they all agree they want to stay on the porch, but they're all going. <laughs> To Abilene, which is not the porch. As a result of taking the actions that are counterproductive, the members of the organization are frustrated, angry, irritated, and dissatisfied with the organization. They take it out on the boss, the organization, even though they're complicit. They're complicit. They should have spoken up. They should have spoken up. So something wasn't right. They weren't paying attention. They didn't communicate. There's no psychological safety. There's no norms in place. Something's not right. There's a disconnect, yeah. And finally, if organization members do not deal with the generic issue, the inability to manage agreement, the cycle repeats itself with greater intensity. Is this resonating with you? It really really is. There's another example in here about sacred cows. You know, like there's this data thing happening at this organization. Everybody knows it's a loser in terms of, it sounds harsh, but in terms of how much it costs and the outcomes they're getting. But everybody thinks that everybody else likes the project. And so no one's willing to say publicly that it's not working. And so everybody knows it's not working. But everybody thinks that everybody else uh, likes it or wants it to succeed. And so therefore, no one's incentivized to speak up and say, this isn't working. And, and you know, all it takes is one person to say, this isn't working. Everybody, oh, thank oh, God. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad he said it. I'm so glad she he said, said it. it. Oh, yeah. my God. I, I, I couldn't agree more. God, what a relief to hear somebody else say that. Uh, yeah. So uh, how's this resonating with you? So it really is. So a couple takeaways that I had is, number one, when you're having a meeting, Figure, you know, know in your mind, what is the purpose of the meeting? Mm-hmm. And actually just be, be, you know, state that to your, your meeting participants. The purpose of this meeting is to blankety blank, 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 you mm-hmm. know, whatever it might be. 
Um, and then, you know, the outcome that we're hoping for at, at the end of this meeting is, you know, so, so they know what the purpose of the meeting is. But then the, only, the other thing, and I think this goes through with modeling, is creating the culture. And I think it also takes time. Mm-hmm. As you develop these relationships over time, they're going to figure out that, oh, it's okay to speak up. It's okay to disagree with the boss. Mm-hmm. It's, a, you know, those kinds of things. It, it, that, but that happens over time. I, it doesn't happen immediately. Well, and people need to see that when somebody else disagrees what the action is or what the reaction is, right? Yes. Is, is there safety in speaking up and speaking truth to power or whatever, you know, however you yeah. want to phrase it? Mm-hmm. Now, it better be true, right? If you're going to speak truth to power, you better, you should be accurate, right? But you should also uh, have the safety to be wrong. Yeah. And and to know that you're, you're not going to get your hand slapped publicly because you said something right or wrong. Uh, the facilitator of that meeting, whether it's your boss or not, should be open to the, the the feedback. And I think a lot of the responsibility to build on your point is on the facilitator to create the norms or the expectations at the start of the meeting about yes. what the intentions of there the meeting are. There you go. And, you know, if you don't have those norms set up, then you should say, hey, we should all feel free to speak our mind here. Mm-hmm. Hey, and just in case we don't know each other that well, we're going to get to an icebreaker. We're going to get to yeah. know each other. We're going to yeah. we're going to learn to relate things to each other so we communicate. And also, uh, we're intentionally going to build in uh, some contrarian devil's advocate components here where we're all going to sort of pick apart what we know to be true. And we're going to make a recommendation, but we're not necessarily going to act on it because we don't need to act on it until, you know, next week. If anybody has any concerns, I say, think come and see me privately. And then you got to diagnose what's going on there. If people are willing to say things privately, they're not willing to say publicly. There's some comfort in that too, because everything, I think a lot of people just think inherently that we show up to a meeting, we need to come up with a decision. When yeah. you when you preface it by saying we do not need to come up with a decision at this meeting, mm-hmm. you're really it's it, I think it's comforting. I, I do because then you could really speak your mind, work through it, but then you know be able to revisit it another time. Well, uh, exactly. You know, there's this desire as humans to belong, and so mm-hmm. if you see that everybody else is doing something, you say, "Gosh, what's wrong with me that I don't want to? Why do I think differently?" Mm-hmm. Even though secretly everybody is probably thinking. Yeah, that's one of those things as a teacher. You say there's no such thing as a stupid question. Right. If you have the question, chances are at least one other person's got the same question. Ask the question. That's right. That's right. And ultimately, that's the same yeah. thing. You ask the question, wait, what's the homework and when's it due? Right. You know somebody else, oh, thank God somebody asked that question. Yeah, exactly. Because I didn't know either. But then there's the whole art of reflection. Yeah. You walk away from this meeting and you're like, oh, I never thought of this. And then you can bring it back to the table the next time you meet. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast, uh, a BBC thing that Oliver Berkman oh, was doing about yes. uh, being busy in distraction and 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 being a sort of a contrarian and a and a realist rather than an optimist. And he was talking about how our brain is actually programmed to reflect. Right, we go go go, and it's often in the shower or as you're sleeping or when you're on a walk, yeah. you're disengaged from the task that you're trying to solve for that you actually come up with a better solution. And so, if the facilitator of this decision making can build in a little bit of runway, yeah. chances are the natural reflection that people will do while they're not engaged in the task will ultimately result in realizations or um, epiphanies yeah that will help influence the decision so what that what that tells me is that as leaders we need to think about the timeline mm-hmm. when is like think about deadlines right yeah and not wait until the nth hour to have these meetings yeah before the deadline is, is you know before that due date that, that's definitely a good takeaway for me from this. Yeah, so this is the Abilene Paradox, and it's um, uh, by Jerry Harvey. And uh, again, it's sort of a dead horse at the, where, where I work because we, we refer to it often. But uh, yeah. a lot of times I see myself get caught in here, and then I go back and I reread it, and I go, yeah. 
gosh, Mark, you really got caught in the Abilene paradox or gosh, Mark, you know, the team got caught in the paradox because I didn't facilitate a process yeah. where I allowed for the, either the psychological safety or I didn't allow for the safety net, or I didn't yeah. put in norms that said, this is how we're going to make the decision and allow people the opportunity to breathe and reflect. That's right. And so uh, I encourage everybody to give a listen mm-hmm. and this should be something, you know, if, I leave this printed out on my desk. I'm, I'm sort actually, of a leadership nerd, but like this is something I refer to often. I got to tell you, I'm also going to use this in my personal life too, with my family. Sure. You know, when we're coming up with deciding where we're going, I mean, in this case it's a restaurant, but mm-hmm. it could be so many other things. Of course. Yeah. Right. yeah like where you want to go on vacation or, yeah. you know, or watching a movie. Well, I didn't want to watch that movie. I, I watched a movie because I thought you want to watch a movie, right? <laughs> Those are lower stakes things, of course. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. All, All right. right. So we say we wrap it up. How about you wrap it up for us today? Switch it around. <laughs> wow, switching it around. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for listening. And um, what do we say? What do we Make say? Make it a great day. See, I got you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and innovate, PA. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs>